So welcome to, we think it's number eight, of All Things Java from Virtual Pair Programmers. Around the table are... Matt Greengraft, nice to speak to you again, Richard. And Richard Chesterwood. So this week, I think Matthew is all excited because he wants to talk about Java 9. Obviously, the big news in Java. So very formal, calling me Matthew, but Matthew. there we go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yes, so, well, obviously it's big news. Today is the 28th of September, and three days ago, there were two big important releases, Java 9 and Java EE8. And I guess we'll talk about Java EE on a future podcast. Um, the one thing that's obviously everyone is talking about is the fact that as of the 25th of September, it is now open source and is being hosted by the Eclipse Foundation. Okay. But again, we'll probably come back to Java EE on another podcast. Java e, Java 9. So the Eclipse bit was Java EE That's you correct. were talking about there, That's correct. not the Java Standard Edition. No. Now, that there is something... Well, I noticed something actually about that the Oracle JVM has become open source. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know any more than that because I don't use the... Sorry, not the Oracle JVM, the IBM JVM oh, okay. has been open sourced. And I think that Oracle are talking about open sourcing parts of theirs that aren't currently, but I'm not really up to speed oh, on I that. get lost on that. I thought they were pretty much the open JDK, but with additional. That's right. I don't even anyway, want, we, We've done a previous podcast on that, and yeah, we got ourselves in knots that summer, and it's, it's not, not interesting. interesting as programmers, is it? So there's a few, but I think this should be a Java 9 special. And we've previously talked about some of the big features in Java 9, so modularity and the ability to create your own cut-down versions of the JVM. So uh, ah, now, can I, can I interrupt there? I'm sorry, interrupt. you were getting into your flow there. So it was right back on our very first podcast. We explained that we were nervous about podcasting because it's not our kind of natural medium. Yes. We like to review things and edit things. And that was... Immediately, we, we gave a good example of that when we started talking about a modular JVM. Yes. How you can, and we got ourselves in knots a bit, and we should have stepped back and realized, no, we're talking about a modular Java runtime rather than a, yes. the JVM's a tiny little bit of yes. the thing that executes your byte code. So, just to be clear, the idea with Java 9 is that you can deploy a modularized runtime environment. So you'll still have the same JVM, which is a tiny little bit of executable code, but you don't have to ship all of the standard Java libraries, which, you know, you don't need 95% of them for any application. So I'm Absolutely. sorry to jump in there, but I was quite, I remember listening back to the previous podcast and just cringing when I really, you know, it was obvious, but when, yes. when you're in front of a microphone, you just keep saying JVM as sort of shorthand for the Absolutely. Absolutely. I do um, apologise. Do you know what? Now you said that, I'm pretty sure on Java fundamentals, we actually say these are interchangeable terms. Yeah. And of course, I guess until now, when you can create the cut down version of the runtime environment, they were. It felt that so, way. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of people in IT, naturally, because it's a very kind of left brain way of thinking, isn't it? Programming. You tend to have these really precisely defined and people can get quite pedantic about things. Yes. But sometimes we use terms interchangeably and JVM and JRA will be, will be clearer in the future. Yes. Well, it's becoming more important to be clearer. So, so we, what I was going to say is we've talked about that. So let's not talk about that today. And what I thought might be interesting to talk about is 
what are the things in Java 9 that might be the kind of things that would say, actually, it's worth us adopting Java 9 because this feature is going to be quite useful yes. for us in this project. And what will come out of that as well, although we could start with this maybe, is what might make you adopt or not adopt Java 9? How mm -hmm. quickly, what are the issues going to be? Yeah. Now, Java 9 is only been out for a couple of days, so and I've, I've not looked in masses of detail. I've not tried upgrading any projects yet. I don't know if you have. I have done literally one day on, well, one half day, really. I'm busy working on Reactive and a few other courses. So this has been something I've had to, I've had to kind of jam in. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm really nervous on this podcast that I'm not going to have a lot of deep information, but I have attempted to port one of our projects ah. that we've shipped with previous virtual pair programmers courses, just to see if it will run. And should we start with that? Did it then? <laughs> oh, I want to keep my powder dry on that and reveal it a bit later on. Okay. Well, it, so. I, I, in that case, let's start with the killer news, I think, that Java 9, that was released two days ago, is not going to be a version that's going to achieve, well, sorry, that's going to be given long-term support by Oracle. This is interesting. So, are you aware of the I new numbering scheme for future Java versions? <laughs> I just saw it this morning, so, and I didn't understand it at all. No, it's a, it's, it's a bit confusing. So, rather than... The, the way Java version releases have, have happened up until now is you have a, a big Java release, which 8 was, which 9 is, and then lots of these little interim ones, which are primarily security patches, yes. little incremental things that you don't really notice. Oracle have decided they're going to move to a six-month release cycle. So the idea is to become, I guess, a bit more agile in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> I heard you'd laugh at that. <laughs> in terms of the how features are going to be added to Java. And they're going to number these releases as a two-digit year followed by the month of the release. So in theory, at least, the next release is going to be in March 2018. Okay. And that will be release 18.3. So 18 for 2018, okay. 3 for March, and the release after that will be 18.9. Yes. Yeah? So very odd numbering scheme. So Java 9 or 1.9, you might think of it, is the last of that numbers. Then we'll go into 18.3, 18.9. Will it be, but it won't be Java 10 or? No, so there'll be no Java 10. It'll be Java 18.3. Are you sure? But that sounds absolutely Boneheaded, brain dead nonsense. That seems to be what everyone is saying, what I've read online, absolutely. Is it so, not going to be Java 9 uh, edition 18.3 and then eventually they'll tick that up to Java 11? No, so from what I understand, there will because they want to make it so that there isn't this massive long releases between 9 and 10, there's just going to be a six month release cycle now. And 18.3 will get long term support. So, I think what they've done here is they've said, look, we know that Java 9 is going to have some real issues on day of release, so we're not going to offer long-term support until six months later when we've got wow. a new version out, which is hopefully going to fix some wow. of those initial issues. So this I've is got to say I'm really impressed. I'm really, really impressed with that because um, the amount of... I've, I've got to say this without swearing. I can't think of the right words. I'm just going to go for the, the amount of brain-dead nonsense that has gone on through the years with Java's numbering, and they have topped themselves and come up with something even worse than what went before it. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, do you remember when we were doing Java Fundamentals, the training course? Yes. Now, one of the most common 
frequently asked questions by a newbie to Java, and actually I'm going to say probably to people who've worked extensively in Java, is well, I, I don't understand the numbering because we start with Java 1, then it was Java 1.1, then Java 1.2, which was also called Java 2, and then we had Java 1.3, which was also called Java 2, and it just, <laughs> just a total mess. And then it got to, so we had 1.4, which was Java 2, and then we had 1.5, which was Java, Java 5, 5. <laughs> and then 1.6 is Java 6, 1.7 is Java 7, and they kind of settled into this. So so the, the release three days ago then was Java 1.9, but actually also Java, Java 9. 9, yes. And now, I've not seen it called 1.9 anyway, but obviously it is. Well, I've seen uh, it, I'm saying obviously, I don't know. Yes, I have, because uh, in my... Yes, I'm, I'm fairly certain that one of the first things I did when I was running a Spring Boot app under Java 9 was I wasn't sure, because it, I, I got something running. That's a, a little taster of what I'm going to reveal, <laughs> but I got something running, and but I was like, maybe I've made a mistake here and I've just compiled on Java 9 and my runtime's still Java 8. So all I made this app do was you just went to a controller and it just did system.getProperty, Java version and output that to the web page. And I'm fairly yes. certain it outputted 1.9. I'm sure you're right there, so, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so are you actually absolutely certain that what you're saying here is there won't be a Java 10? This is the you're, last of the Java. You are asking me to put my neck on the line here, and I, I would like to say I'm 99% certain. Because that, that's huge. No, that's massive, isn't it? It is. And it, it's not just the whole numbering changing, it's the fact that actually, to me, they're saying they haven't got confidence in Java 9 because they're saying they're not even prepared to give it long-term support in its current... But they're kind of saying that it's a little bit like going to... It's going to the Google Chrome system of numbering where there isn't a number anymore, it's just Google Chrome. You don't know what version of... What version no. of Chrome are you running? Obviously, there is a version, but it's all hidden because you just, you just get drip feed updates yes. and you're expected to always stay updated and it sounds like... If it's true what you're saying, it sounds like that's what... Yes, which will be interesting because obviously companies today have got to have this decision of when do we move to Java 9 if you do... Well, you're going to have to, I suppose, for security reasons eventually, but when are you going to move to Java 9? If they go to the six-month release cycle, are companies going to be willing to keep either six months behind the latest version or up to date all the time? There's going to be a whole yeah. thought process to go in there. Yeah. Uh, and I guess if the releases are smaller and more incremental, than they are today with this huge amount of changes in Java 9. The list is massive, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and of course, a lot of the things that are changing are things under the hood to do with performance of... Well, um, I'd, I've I made that point on the previous podcast. I think it's... I, d I don't understand why they don't separate. There's two completely separate things. There's the there's the, the runtime tools, there's the platform, yes. and there's the core language, and they've tied the two things together. Now, what most programmers want are new programming features, but we have to wait for the entire platform to be updated. And conversely, in things like garbage collection improvements have to sit and wait in this queue yes. until things like Jigsaw are ready. So if they just separated those out and let them uh, have their own life cycles, things will be a lot more agile. One of the things that I want to ask you now, Richard, is I want to know if you're willing to take a bet, right? So Oracle is saying they're going to release 18.3 followed by 18.9. Mm -hmm. So my question is, if one of those slips, 
Well, first of all, are you willing to bet that one of them is going to slip with me? Yeah, <laughs> and will they call one. it 18.10 or will they say it's 18.9 but it's three months late? Yeah, good question. <laughs> I mean, who knows? We don't know what they're... It may well be that on the 15th of March, whatever's in their current build pipeline gets shipped. The things that have been accepted, I assume there'll yeah. still be a committee process. So anything that's been accepted by a committee at that point gets shipped. Yes, it could be. So it would be interesting to see how that develops over time. But yeah. m quite a major change, obviously. It is. Such um, a huge... And as I say, I think that in, at least in the short term, because of the long-term support out issue, which I've already said, if I was a company sitting here today, I would be saying, right, well, we are not moving to Java 9. Absolutely. There's, a, there's no question based on all... I and mean, we haven't done a lot, as we've said, but it, it is not production ready today. I'm not saying there's any bugs in it or anything, but the, it has been, you said don't talk about Jigsaw, but the, the massive change due to mod, uh, modularization and also the, um, I mean, it, we probably don't want to get into this, but the removal of the unsafe features that you're now not supposed to use has broken us so many libraries mm. that it, it, it's, I mean, there's no way you're going to be able to run an application server under Java 9 for some considerable time, I would have thought. I'm sure that's right. Um, and interestingly, I don't think the... Although the... I mean, I had a quick look at Eclipse and IntelliJ to see how ready are they with Java mm -hmm. 9. Uh, interestingly, IntelliJ say, yes, it's fully supported. Mm -hmm. And Eclipse is supported via a plugin right now. Correct. Release 1A of Oxygen, which is due on the 11th of October, will fully support it. Yes. But my sense of that is that although they're saying it'll be fully supported, there will need to be some future improvements to the IDs to make it easier to use. Yes. So for example, in IntelliJ, there is now the option to, uh, as well as create a new class, as well as creating a new, um, uh, you know, all those different file types you can create, they've added a module info.java as a file type gotcha. that you can create. I didn't see that in Eclipse, so I, no. I was using the plugin for Eclipse, which I assume you've done as well. No, I haven't actually, oh, okay. but oh, you're it took right. me ages to install it. I, oh, did I, it? I'm yeah, not sure what the problem easy. was, but once I got it in, yeah, I couldn't see any way of creating new modules. So no, so the, because modules require a, a specific file structure, from what I can see, the current releases don't create that. You've got to go and create your own file structure to match it. They might, the IntelliJ helps you create a module info.java, but that's not that helpful either. So yeah. I think there's some more work needed around creating the, the wizards, if you like, that yeah. create the structures for you. But the, that's not it doesn't what I'm sure sound, for them to do. Well, well, we say that because we don't have to do it, do we? Yes. I, I imagine they're running around <laughs> at the minute, like oh, all this stuff to do. But then this has been reasonably stable for a little while. So I'm sure it's in their plans. But again, mm. it's one of those things that until it's there, until the tools are ready to support you, it, mm -hmm. it's unlikely you're going to want to move unless you've got some killer feature that means if you were going to start a brand new project today that needed to be module based. <laughs> Why would you then you would use Osgi? Yeah. You know, because you're not going to have your tooling, you've got all these broken libraries, you've got all these broken frameworks. Yes. It's going. I predict it's going to be years before this settles down, which sounds like a big thing, but I, I don't. I think you were working in .NET around the time of Java 5, so I think yes. we're talking about the year 2005-ish then, so you might not remember that Java 5 was not a massive update, now that we're looking back on it. Yes. At the time, it felt like a huge update. 
It was the first time that the language had had any kind of serious upgrades. There were new keywords added, for example. Uh, but, I mean, looking back on it, it was next to nothing. It was a new for loop. Um, you didn't have to create integer objects anymore. I'm talking about auto-boxing here. And the biggest change was generics, which yes. wasn't a great implementation. But, you know, it's not a great big deal. And for some, it may, I, I, I thought at the time, maybe it's just because the version numberings changed from 1.4 to 5. It looked like a gigantic leap. For years, my perception was companies were not moving across to Java 5. At the time, I was running live training courses, and I was always asked for, can we have a Java 1.4 course, please? And that was like two years after the release. And uh, the, the, the reason I was always given was, well, our application server doesn't support Java 5, so there's no point. Now, things are very different now, and I guess fewer projects rely on application servers. But I have a sense this is going to be a very long process. I, I think you're right. And just for, to have the confidence that your application is going to work in Java 9, the amount of testing that some of the companies out there who've got big complex applications are going to need to do, yep. uh, it's, it's not a completely straightforward migration, obviously. Um, Definitely. As of today, your application's simply not going to run, won't even start. Seeing... Well, you've sport it now, then, yeah. so that's what's going to happen, <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, and actually, I, I mean, I've picked out to talk about some of the features in Java 9 that I think are, I'm going to describe them as useful. They're the things I think I yeah. would actually want to and use. And we should do that because we've talked a lot about the politics and, and a lot about, you know, why I think this is all a, a, a really badly implemented process. But from a programming point of view, there's going so, to be interesting things in there and we should be positive. And yes, exactly. And, and I think, you know, Thinking about when we went from Java 7 to Java 8, you know, the things that stand out for me as the things that were really useful probably were the time libraries. So you no longer need to use Java time. The same sort of functionality is slightly different, mm. but pretty much it's now part of Java. Mm. Um, and I was looking at, well, okay, well, of that massive list of things in Java 9, what are the things that I'm likely to use on day one? Yes. And my number one is the new syntax for try with resources. Oh, okay. And this is purely a readability thing. So I don't Wonderful. know if you've tell seen it. No, this. I haven't. Right. Tell us all about so it. So let's go back to the Java 8 way. If you want to, so try with resources in case there's anyone listening who's not entirely sure what that's all about. If you are using a resource which needs to be closed at the end to keep things safe, uh, Java 8 brought out this new try with resources construct which auto closes any resources. So you don't need the ugly try catch finally yes. embedded try finally catch type blocks to make sure your resources get closed. So it was yeah. a big thing. A massive useful. thing, yeah. So the syntax in Java 8 is that you open your resources within a the try block so you have this is going to be really hard to do verbally but you've got the word try open bracket then you declare your objects that need to be opened close your brackets this is round bracket and then you have your curlies for your try block so you're declaring the objects within the as a, almost as an attribute to the try as or as a parameter to the try statement yes that's the Java 8 syntax. Now, if you've got three or four of these, it looks a bit ugly. You've got try, open round brackets, three or four lines of code, 
close round brackets and then your try block. It's a bit ugly. So what... Oh, sorry, let me just... So if you've got three resources that you're going to be working with in that block... Which all need to be closed. Right, yes, you've... Yeah, I see yeah. what you mean. You've so you got get three lines... Yeah. ugly code. So all they've done in Java 9 is... Well, I'm about to explain how it works, but it's much more readable. So how it works in Java 9 is you can declare those objects before your try block now, and then you do try open brackets, name the resources. So for example, if you've got, uh, I'm trying to think now of a typical sort of object that would need to be closed, say a database connection, you declare your database connection, you do try, open brackets, variable name, close brackets. Fine, yeah, good. Much more readable. Good. It's a very simple change, but it's going to make code a lot more readable. And in a way, it's almost easier to understand because of that. I really like that. I'm absolutely going to switch to that when I start Excellent. using Java 9. And that was my number one. Um, my number two is that you can now have, and this is going to sound a bit odd at first, private methods in interfaces. Yes. So yes. with, again, Java 8 allowed you to create default methods of implementations in interfaces. So mm -hmm. prior to Java 8, your interfaces was just a list of public methods. For Java 8, you could actually provide a default implementation. So if you chose not to override that method, you'd be allowed to do so. You could use the default. Private methods in interfaces sounds a bit bonkers, but actually what that's about is that you can now reuse your code. So your default implementation in an interface. Again, this is really hard to do when yeah. you can't see the code. It's a difficult medium podcast. Yeah. And, and the example I saw actually was about logging. Let's say you're writing a logging platform and you're creating methods that you want people to override called log warn, log info, log debug. Your default implementations might all share the same four or five lines of code. Yeah. Well, you don't have to now copy that lots of times. You can have it in a single private method yes. that your default <clears throat> can, can call. And again, I think Nice, sensible, useful. Yes. Not going to be used all the time, but when you're doing default implementations now, well, that's a useful feature. Brilliant. Nice. And you heard it see. here first on the podcast that Matthew is planning to implement his own logging framework, I... which is exactly what Java needs, another one. <laughs> I said that was the example I'd seen, uh, and yeah. it was an example that made sense, so I thought I'd repeat it. That but... was one of the, 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 the private methods in interfaces was like the first thing I picked up on, and I thought, wow, this looks really interesting. And do you think it's a bit of an edge case? I mean, how, do you, is that really a day-to-day -day thing? That maybe it's because I I haven't personally used default methods and interfaces very much at all, which you know, just for legacy yes. reasons, I guess. Don't do a lot of Java eight really. No, I guess um, some of the one of the systems that I look after. Um, actually uses abstract classes. And I think with this, I could have done it using interfaces, yes. Yes. Um, which I th it just feels nicer yeah. uh, because, uh, so, so it just gives that extra, it gives another way of doing the things you might already be doing, but sure. it, it feels like it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I, I, I think um, the default methods in interfaces is a great thing and will tie into what my number one feature is gonna be, by the way. but. Um, we're, we're bound to, you're bound to come to it, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it, it's a, it's a, it's an incremental improvement on that feature that came from Java eight, I yes, think. Yes. So. And I, I like those first two because they make sense. They're easy to understand, and you can see that actually, if you're going to be doing default methods and implement interfaces, it's actually potentially going to be really useful. Right. So nice. Okay. So 
My next one sort of actually follows on because I think this must be how they've done it. But this is the new methods to create immutable collections. Mm -hmm. So again, let's just recap uh, how it works in Java 8, which actually still works in Java 9. They haven't changed this, which is that you can call collections dot, for example, unmodifiable list to create an immutable array list. Um, and there are similar methods for uh, hash, sorry, for maps and sets. Yeah, and you have to pass in an existing list. So you create Absolutely. a list first, which is a regular modifiable one, and then you pass it into this factory method, and out comes an unmodifiable list. And that is still, I believe, the only way to create an unmodifiable list in Java 9 if your starting point is an existing list okay. or an existing map. Fine. What they've created, however, are new static factory methods for creating uh, an unmodifiable list, let's just talk about this for now, either from an array or from the actual elements that are going to form that list. Mm -hmm. So the syntax for this is list with a capital L, so the interface list, dot of, OF, and then in brackets, either a comma delimited list of elements or an array of elements can go in there. And that creates a new immutable collection. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this is the one that I wasn't sure, Richard, what your reaction to this is going to be. It's my number one feature by a million miles. It's the only thing that I have any interest in Java <laughs> 9. So, so why? So why is this your top? It's been... Um, so, first of all, I think the, the unmodifiable bit is, you know, that's, that's fine, but it's, for me, it's not the, not the important bit. It's the fact that you can now declare a list in line which uh -huh. has never been possible to do in Java. So just to create a list of five elements, we need to do this all the time, by the way. It's yes. not, um, you know, this is not an edge case. Yes. All the time you need a list and I need to pre-populate it with five elements. Up until now it's been line one is list, my list equals new array list, round brackets. Can't put anything in the round brackets into the constructor. Then you've got another line list, my list dot add, something, my list that adds something, repeat, 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 really tedious. And every modern language, uh, Groovy, I'll just pluck up as, a, as an example, you would just do def, my list equals square brackets. Yes. And Groovy knows you're instantiating a new list and you do it in line, in one line. Yes. So it's the one line of business so, is the important thing. So that's interesting. So that is, I agree with you, a nice feature. What I'm not sure about though is that this is an unmodifiable list that you're creating. And we like immutability, we, don't we? We do. However, the object that gets created is an object that implements the list interface. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it will give you the ability to call the methods like add and remove. And if you try and call one of those methods, yeah. you'll get an unsupported operation Indeed exception. So don't do it. So that's all very well, but <laughs> I thought, what a shame that they've created the ability to create an unmodifiable list, I'm not sorry, an unmodifiable list, and yet there's no ability at compile time to check that you're not trying to call a method. Why even expose those methods? It's so annoying. Well, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's very difficult to architect, uh, so you would have to have a parallel uh, inheritance hierarchy of unmodifiable lists which didn't have the method, because of course you can't remove a method when you do yes. an inheritance effectively. It, so that that's always been a, I don't think that's a Java, well okay other languages would have mix-ins and things that would do things better, but for me it, it that's like the argument, people got very excited about generics and 
and uh, oh you don't have to do a cast anymore because you might get the cast wrong when you take an object back out of a collection and actually when you examine that use case you've got a collection you know what's inside it you know what you know you're not the chances of having a class cast exception there are, are so tiny and you, unit tests would expose that anyway so and it's the same it's a similar argument at least for the unsupported operation i've created that list probably all right i might have been sent it from somewhere so i might be writing i'm writing a method that accepts a list and i get sent an, a, a, an object at runtime and i call remove on it I get a, a runtime exception, big deal. Your unit test should pick that up. <laughs> well, I'm pleased we've got something we disagree on because I'm disappointed with that. I, you're, you're an immutable programmer, Matthew. You shouldn't be expecting to be able to remove <laughs> element. And, and uh, actually, genuinely, I would say, and this goes back to all the kind of things we talk about on our advanced Java course, where if you've been sent an object you, you've just been passed a reference to that object. So doing things like removing elements from a list that you've been given is really dangerous because you're modifying the underlying collection and the caller might not want you to do that. So the fact that you're going to get a runtime exception, good, it serves you right, you shouldn't have done it in the first place. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think, I'll, I think I'll people buy that. in Java, and maybe this is this is why doing a few years of, of of programming in a dynamic language helps change your mindset a little bit. I am all for strong typing and catching errors at compile time. Don't get me wrong; I love that. It's one of the reasons why we're currently working on moving an entire application from. Uh, I think it's Groovy and Grails based back into Spring Boot, which is going to be using Java. One of the nicest feelings of doing that is, are oh, the compilers telling me so many problems that existed in that legacy code? So I'm all for it, but I think people get too, you know, the idea of a runtime exception, it's the worst thing that can happen. Catch them in your unit tests and then... But would you agree how much nice it could have been if you if it could have said, well, you can't call new on, you can't call it yes. add rather. It would have been so much yes. nicer. <laughs> and I'd, yes, I'm just loath to to wait because I've not sat down and attempted to re-architect the existing collections library to fit in an unmodifiable collections parallel hierarchy. I've got a feeling that would be a world of pain that would ju just... I mean, you'd have to have, you wouldn't work working with lists for a start because lists, by definition, you know, for all the, the legacy that's gone on, you can't remove, remove from the list interface. Yes. So they'd have had to create a new interface called unmodifiable lists, list, yeah. which I don't know. It's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, they should have done that. But I think that's one of those things it would have. Send a memo to Josh Block. And they'll, uh... <laughs> okay. So that's your number one. That's interesting, anyway. Um, I'll just mention my last one that I just caught my eye, really, which is the new HTTP client yes. object. So, and I guess this is just relevant to me particularly right now, because as you know, I've been working on the replacement for our Java web development course. And 
you know, at, at first view, what HTTP client lets you do is it makes it much easier to, I'm going to say, consume a web page. So if, for example, you're writing code which is going to be polling a web page, looking for a particular string, and then going to do something when that string occurs, that's a typical sort of use mm -hmm. case. You'll be able to do that now with much less code, mm -hmm. much neater. You don't need buffered reader objects anymore. It, it sort of uses a factory style, mm -hmm. sorry, a builder style process to, to do all of that very, very very nice um, and certainly I, I you know I'm doing some work at the moment on WebSockets for the course and certainly it's going to be much easier to write a WebSocket client using the new HTTP client object so again I think that's interesting I've not at this point worked out what difference it makes to writing the server side of mm -hmm. WebSockets I'm sure there will be improvements there as well but I've not looked at those yet okay. and I'm hoping that uh, I will get to that within the next few days so that when module two of Java web development comes out, there'll possibly be a, here's the traditional Java Great. 8 way of doing it, and so then a, some Java 9, some in, Java course, 9 in there, I'm hoping. Quickly. Very nice. I'm hoping. And I think it's worth doing because I think it's it's interesting to see what they've done there and see mm. how much uh, how much nice it's going to be. Great. I'm not absolutely promising it because I want to test it and make sure I can get it to work. Well, of first. course, so, yeah. it's, um, a, it's certainly a risk that you it need is. to. Um, it is. But de risk <laughs> again, if you've got if, if you are doing something that is going to be consuming web pages, and actually I've just for my own benefit been thinking about writing a little application to do that to save me a bit of time. Uh, something where I just want to check a particular web page every day to see if something's changed, and I could be automating that. Okay. This will be a lot quicker to, to do that. So I think that's, a, again, a really useful feature. I like the look of the new HTTP client object. Good stuff. Anything else you've spotted in Java 9 um, that you think I have to look at? I've, I've just managed to close my page of notes, so uh, <laughs> I need to very quickly. Yeah, um, so the, the, the for me, number two that stuck out was they have... Um, I'm really on, on the edge because so I'm working on a course on reactive technologies and that's my number one priority as opposed to Java 9. Uh, but I noticed that there is java.util.concurrent.flow which has been modified to incorporate and I'm really not sure what's in there because I've not had time to explore it but they've absorbed some of the Rx Java style features in there. So you can tell I am skating on very thin ice here. That's going to be kept dry for the upcoming course. I won't talk any more about that. Okay. Because I don't know any more about it. <laughs> I think the the only other thing that... Oh, no, sorry, two more things. Um, they've improved the deprecated, uh, the deprecated annotation. I mean, it's so minor, really, but... Um, this signals a political change in the way Java is going to be managed in the future, which looks quite promising. So in case you don't know, the way that deprecation works in Java, Matthew always calls it depreciation, by the way. And you have to edit it every time I say that, don't you? Yes. <laughs> because you're from a finance background. So, so deprecated means to make less important. And... Uh, the, the tradition has always been nothing's been removed from Java. So even like the, the horrible rubbish that was in Java 1.0 that has fallen into disuse, rather than removing it, which could break any number of millions of lines of code out in the field, they put a marker on it which says you probably shouldn't use this anymore in the future. Um, however, nobody anywhere has sat down and defined what deprecated means. Does it mean you should refrain from using this method? 
or you should never use the method, or, or what? No one really knows, and it, because it was never defined. I've always taken it to mean this method might be removed in a future version of Java, so find something else. Right. But it means other things to other people. So they've decided to take a bit of a stand on this now, and it looks very promising. They've added a parameter to the deprecated annotation, which is for removal. You set it to true or false. It will default to false. So what they're saying is that the existing meaning of deprecated is that, no, it's not, doesn't mean it's going to be removed. It's just you shouldn't use this method. Why should you not use a method if it's not going to be removed? Probably that they have an alternative version of that method that they'd rather you used, but they're not planning on removing the old one. Okay. Uh, so, for example, the vector class in Java, actually it's not deprecated, but they could, have, could and should have deprecated it, but I don't think they had any intention of removing it because they've retrofitted it to work exactly the same as an array list. Right. So if you use a vector in Java code, Today, you've pretty much got an array list. No okay. difference. But people will laugh at you. <laughs> it's like you're wearing out-of-date clothes or something. Um, so what they've said very specifically now about the for removal tag is, if you have said for removal equals true in that tag, you mean 100% this will definitely be removed in the next version of Java. So this is the first indication that finally we're going to we're going to see things removed out of Java, which has got to be a good. There's so much cruft in there that just doesn't belong in modern Java anymore. So whether that actually plays out remains to be seen. It's just an annotation. They can't force you to remove it. And going back to what we said earlier, then that means in six months, does it? Yeah. Because there's going to yeah. be the six month release cycle. Yes. So if you are using a method which is deprecated and it's had that fault on it for years and all of a sudden it becomes true. So you set it to true, yes. You've got six months to That's my understanding of it. it. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. It'll be interesting to monitor and see how many things yeah. no one will use it and <laughs> everyone will ignore it. But with it. the core libraries, you don't think part of the core libraries that have been deprecated for a long time they will start making those true, you don't think? Let me think about that. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I thought I saw something saying the following packages or the following classes are going to be marked for removal, but that might, I might have got that wrong. Okay. But it, you know, it's clear there's an intention to move in that direction. If I were a gambling man, I would be guessing that it'll just be ignored and <laughs> in 10 years' time, nothing will have been removed, but we'll see. Uh, the other one is multi-release jars. This could be nice. Uh, so they've, they've made a change to this is forget about jigsaw and all that they've made a change to the jar file format which is you can now supply multiple versions of the same class in the one jar so imagine you have a class which depends on a, on a feature of Java 9 but you want that jar to support Java 8 then you can supply the legacy version and the new version in the same jar and the correct one will be chosen by the runtime. Wow. Which could be, for, for, for people who, as an application programmer, that's probably not exciting, but if you're producing libraries, if you're writing Spring Boot, for example, then that, that's huge. It means you can support legacy platforms. Yeah, interesting now. I'm just trying to get my head around, what does that mean for Android? Oh, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you had to do it. I'm uh, sorry. What's I'm just, that mean for Android? Because obviously okay. Android has that issue where 
you, you are going to be having people using your application likely who are fixed on older versions of Java because their device yeah. doesn't support the newer versions. And Android have had this sort of a workaround to allow you to use newer versions, newer features of Java in older versions. And you cover and, that really well on the, on the Android training course. We, we did courses. talk about yeah. it on the Android training course. So I wonder, it'd be interesting to see if that impacts the ability or the, it makes it easier mm -hmm. to make backwards compatible Android applications. I know we don't do much with that. Well, of course, that would mean that Android would have to be running Java because this, this feature will only be supported in Java 9 onwards because earlier early versions of the runtime don't know about this feature, of right. course. They can't oh, go I back. See. But the way ah. it will work is if I give a jar file, which has got a, a legacy class and a, and a, a Java version 9 class. Yes. I was going to say a Java version 10 class, but... 18.3, yeah, yes. up in the air. <laughs> um, if I then feed that into a Java 7 virtual machine, say... Yes. The way they've structured it is the legacy class is just at the same level it always was. Right. And all of the later versions are in subfolders. And those subfolders will be ignored by the legacy virtual machines. Right. So they've, they've been quite clever about doing that. So it'll be, is that backwards or forwards? I'm never sure. So it'll be <laughs> compatible with the older versions, but to actually get the dynamic, I've got version 9 or version 10, you'll have to be on a modern version. Right, oh, okay. That makes so, sense. I've not explained that brilliantly, but that was an eye-catching feature. But yeah. I don't think application programmers should be excited by that particularly, so I'm not. But, no, but it, it will mean then that if you are building a, if, if you need to use some killer application, uh, sorry, some killer feature of a newer release of Java, uh, you're, you're, you you can sort of continue to support the earlier yeah. version at the same time, which I can see uh, that, that has some uses, definitely, yeah. If you're the creator of Log4j, for example, you can now start shipping your, your Java files as a single Java file without having two alternative downloads, one for Java 9 and one for Legacy. Yes. Just bundle it all in the same jar, and the yes. runtime will pick up that one, which is quite good. So that was it for my, these what I think are interesting, interesting. features. but. It's certainly, I don't think there's anything in there, however, that is going to make you desperate to convert to Java 9, and we can see. So you, my task yesterday was go and convert some legacy Spring Boot applications and see if they run. Yes. So how did it go? So I did, I did one with no, you know, just a basic controller, and that worked actually fine and gave me Java 1.9 on the controller. When you say convert here, so you've taken an existing... Sorry, that was a brand new one, oh, right, built okay. up from scratch, with nothing more than one method in one controller class. It was just a hello world. Okay. That worked. I then took the vehicle tracking application, the standalone one that we used on the last Docker course. Okay. Uh, so that's quite nice because it's rich enough to, it's got web sockets and all sorts of stuff in, but it's still simple enough to, it should just stand up and run. Uh, it doesn't simply become, I mean, I could go on, I've made loads of notes about all of the uh, runtime exceptions. So, the, the, right, let me, there's, there's two separate problems here. The first one is that there's, there are libraries such as CGLib which is a common library that's used by millions of frameworks that are doing things that are now illegal in Java 9. Ah. So they do illegal accesses. And what that will result in is a warning. 
um, it will say warning an illegal reflective access operation has occurred. In other words, those libraries are doing things that are now illegal under Jigsaw. So, th so this is a compile time warning? This or is a runtime. A runtime warning? Yeah, okay. because you're, you, this is a, just an external, this is not my code. Of course, I'm right, using yes. Spring Boot, which itself has a dependency on CGlib. Okay. I'm not directly interested in what CGlib is doing. CGlib does code generation on the fly and creates classes for proxies and things. Right. And, and things like Spring absolutely depend on yes. it. It's a very clever library. Um, and it's doing illegal access, so that's going to appear in your server logs. So this could be a, a problem for DevOps people. Yes. Um, not DevOps, sorry, I should say Ops people. If you have a separation between development and operations, and operations say, but we're getting a warning here saying an illegal reflective access operation is happening on my server, get this code off my server is a potential. You'll remember when we did the London session on Java 9, that was the big thing they were all... Yes, yes. And what you can do is you can use uh, a, a, a runtime um, virtual machine flag, illegal access equals warn will... Uh, Presumably that suppresses those warnings, does it? Actually, I'm thinking now that's to switch it on. That doesn't really make sense to me. But the last warning is you get four separate warnings. Warning, all illegal access operations will be denied in a future release. So, you know, this is the smack of firm government coming down harder. <laughs> so, obviously, libraries like CGLib are now going to have to scramble around to sort this problem out. Yes. One thing we've never looked at on any of our courses or podcasts, and we're certainly not going to do it now, is this infamous sun, sorry, com.sun.misc.unsafe package which is the package you could use to do unsafe operations that are considered illegal by the Java Virtual Machine spec, basically. And they've been used for years and years and years, especially by things like CGLib, and now effectively that's banned. That's a real headache for people. Um, but that's for other people to solve, I guess. As far as I can tell, and I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be a Spring Boot expert, but I don't keep day-to-day -day tabs on what they're doing with versions. As far as I can tell, Spring Boot are not supporting Java 9. I can't, I've not found their roadmap. If anybody's listening to this and they've got better information, do tell me. Um, even the milestone release, so I, I, I ran this against their very latest milestone release, version 2 of Spring Boot, and still get the same. So that was just a warning. I've not told you that I'm also experiencing a runtime exception, um, which is a class cast exception doesn't mean anything to me. It's a boot problem. I've found the bug on the GitHub and they've just said, you know, we're not supporting yet. So you've got right. to wait for a future version of Spring Boot. I don't know what their roadmap is. It's all too up in the air. So interesting. So if there was any doubt about, are we going to switch to Java 9 today? The answer is definitely no then. Uh, it sounds like, well, certainly if you're a Spring developer, but actually a lot of developers are going to probably be seeing these similar sorts of yeah. issues, I guess. Eventually, Spring Boot will release a, a version that supports, but yes. they, I mean, I can't imagine what kind of a headache they've got because they've got to wait for CGLib, all these other libraries, yes. and there are probably thousands of them. I'm pretty angry that the, the amount of breakage that's going on here and the amount of technical debt that we've now got. And we're going to feel it as a business. We've got dozens of courses. That, we're going to, I think we're going to be roughly okay on the Maven. Anything where we're using Maven, you would upgrade your Maven POM 
to use whatever latest version of libraries you need to run on Java 9 and it should all be fixed. But where we've got courses where we've shipped jar files and then somebody's going to come along and run them on Java 9 and we've got to support that. <clears throat> and it's also we can have Jigsaw, which we were all demanding and wanting. So yeah, it's, it's so painful. something we need to we need to think about our strategy for that and how we're going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a wait and see strategy for now because everybody's everybody who creates libraries that other people are using are feeling this pain. Yes, it's going to be a long time before it settles down. I think. But one thing I haven't looked at is that if you are downloading the JDK for the first time, if you've got yourself a new computer and you're going to the Oracle website, how prominent is Java nine as, and how hidden is Java eight? As far as I know, I can test this now, but it's it takes you to Java nine. Yeah, I've just pulled it up on the on the main Java Oracle download page, and it takes you straight to Java SE nine. And to find Java eight, you have to scroll down a fair bit, and it's just listed as Java SE eight U one four four. So th there you go. Already, we have a serious business problem that people new to if they're doing your Java fundamentals course yes they're going to go here download Java 9 probably be okay for Java fundamentals because you're just doing the programming which yes. is you know that's fine but something like Java web development well somebody coming along today starting on the spring you know if they've done Java they've never done spring and they're going to start let's just say with spring boot to do a quick start yeah. they're going to have a problem so we need to think about and maybe what we'll just do is literally a 30 second video that appears on every course yeah. that says we don't support Java 9 no and if you're you know if, if you're stand if you're Starting today and installing a JDK, make sure you pick Java 8, here's where you can find it. Just a really simple, short mm. thing that um, we'll have to have a think about that. But yeah, we we'll need that strategy. We will. We'll wait until the first support call comes in about it and I guess. it will not <laughs> be long. Please, anyone listening out there, don't take that as an invitation <laughs> to send us a support call. No. <laughs> I'll just, last thing I wanted to mention to you, one feature we haven't mentioned, and I just wanted to see what your reaction was, is the, the fact, because they are the Oracle guys are making a bit of a song and dance about the fact that Java 9, for the first time, has a REPL built in. Yeah. Uh, those are not where it stands for read, evaluate, print loop. Mm -hmm. um, um, some languages, particularly Clojure, it's a very important part of yeah, uh, any scripting the language. language. The idea you can go into command line and start executing yes. commands from your language on the command line. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see a great need for that in Java? I mean, no, I'm starting to think when I'm going to use it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Have you ever. Oh, I wish I had a REPL here. <laughs> so, presumably, you can write shell scripts now with a shebang uh, slash bin slash Java on the top. I would I would guess that's that's the way it, it, it's going, and it, it's a it's a great thing to have a REPL. It's a very immediate thing you can get straight in. You can start experimenting with your language. Great, great, but you know another problem that didn't us. really yeah. exist. I'm going to ask one last question before we wrap up this podcast. So we try we're, we're trying more and more to keep this generic and not about our business, but. Um, but we'll do a little business chat on the end. Now, I promised a few podcasts previously that as soon as Java 9 comes out, we should do a video on it and be first to market. I'm going to be honest, and I, I, can't, I can't see anything in here that I'm excited enough about to want to record a video on, and especially given that we can, we can see, and we're fairly certain, that the massive amount of legacy that is going to have to move over before real applications can be built using Java 9 
it's not going to be next week that programmers working on projects need Java 9. I don't feel, I'm not going to stop working on Reactive to do a course on you can now create a list in one line. I agree. I think, as I've already mentioned, I, I think the HTTP client is different and better enough mm -hmm. to warrant a chapter on it in the Java web development Yeah, course. where it's relevant. Where we'll it's relevant. It. Yeah. Uh, but I think you're right. A, a course on moving to Java 9, and it may be we actually look to do that in six months' time yeah. as a course on moving to 18.3. Yeah. So I'll do the same with my reactive course. If necessary, I'll, I'll have a chapter on java.util.concurrent.flow mm. if I think it's necessary. But <clears throat> the thing is, though, as a, as a business, you know, marketing, SEO and all that. If we had a video on YouTube, the top Java 9 features, that would go, I mean, people are obsessed with new versions of languages. So that would go down a bundle. So if our marketing, uh, <laughs> our lead marketer, marketer in the company is listening this far, she'll probably be telling us you need to do one. Well, my argument to her if she came to that would be, but actually though, it would be, uh, under false pretenses, because a, a nice flashy video all about the key features in Java 9, but actually what's there to back it up? Because we're about the core of the language, which hasn't changed. Uh, you know, you see, there's some nice features there, mm. and yes, we'll work them in. Sure. Um, That's a good way of thinking about it. We're not actually. We, we have courses on Java fundamentals because we want to give people a way of getting started, but then we want we want to get them onto the frameworks. And that's where we're at. We're, we're interested yes. in the full stack and the frameworks in particular. And from that point of view, Java 9 is just a headache. So it's fine that we say this is a headache. It's not great for us working at this level. I'm, yes. I'm quite happy with that, yeah. yeah. When there's a new version of Spring Boot that supports Java 9, great. We'll, we will fill our boots and do a video on that. Yes, absolutely. Good one. I th and I think I could see that we might do a little, you know, top tips of things you can do differently in Java 9. So particularly the try with resources right. syntax, which is really quite right. nice. We might well do something like that. Yeah. Uh, quite a long time ago, we did a top tips when using Eclipse, and yeah. it may be something like that. That was short... our Christmas video. It was. For, tw I don't know, two years ago. I was at this point, we didn't do one last year. So we're going to reinstate the tradition of a Christmas video. Yeah. But I want Christmas me, I want bells and things on oh, okay. it. Okay. Well, because our, our thinking was that we'd try and do a video that would go viral. <laughs> You know those kind of things you see on Facebook where... Oh my God, I can't believe. Yes, you're, you're not going to... I watched this video, it made me cry. <laughs> right? That kind of headline. So... Our videos often make people cry, <laughs> I suspect. Yeah, but not enough for them to want to share them. So um, we'll have a think. That'll be our challenge for this Christmas then, is to create a viral video. No, we'll create Jones a video. That, yeah, we, that might be. We'll do some... We'll definitely do that as a okay, tradition, though. that'll be nice then. Um, so, yes, we've got, um, it's been a month since the last podcast, but we'll still keep them regular. We are planning to do a session on Agile. Certainly a lot of the feedback I've had on these podcasts has been, can you do a, a video on Agile? So we've got yes. that coming up possibly. It's not in the diary Yeah, yet, we're, we're hoping to talk to a local, I would say, expert on Agile. One of our customers. Yeah. One of our customers. Mm -hmm. uh, we're hoping to get him in and uh, talk to him about Agile. Yeah, might um, not be the next one, but certainly coming we up get soon. On. Yeah, um, I say I, I think we might do something on Java EA8 just because oh, that's out as well. I'm off that week. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing that. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, I, to be fair, I don't think there's that much in there Good, to get excited by. Then. Great. But we'll ignore we it. We will have something on that. We won't. Um, 
partly because it will tie in with me doing something on JSF. So, oh, uh, right, that's it. That's the end of this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this. The final all things. <laughs> there will be. There will be another All Things Job podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we reckon in about two weeks. Yeah, we'll aim for two weeks. We'll see how we get on. Uh, should we just very quickly, uh, Java Web Development Module 1 went live yesterday. Brilliant. Uh, I'm working on Module 2. You're working on... Um, I think I released Docker, the second um, edition of Docker course. Uh, I released that after the last podcast. Yes. It's worth mentioning that. And it, that is a great course. I absolutely love it. That's turning your Docker into a swarm. So you've got your Docker all clustered across multiple instances, and we do it on a real Amazon stack. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in there about if you're using the Netflix tools, do you need them all when you're working in Docker? And I don't think you do. And it's, there's some real deep stuff in there and, and some stuff that's not covered anywhere else. And I'm now working on Reactive, which is, I suspect, going to be one of those that's going to take longer than our three-week release cycle. So I might be releasing a short module on how to use the uh, Amazon EC2 container service. I don't like it, so it's a difficult video for me to produce but it's something we should have probably. Okay. And a short video on how to manage sessions when you're working in a clustered environment, which we've had a lot of que a lot of feedback on that. How do you do that? We've never covered it. So uh, okay. that again, it's only a half hour course, but it might be a, a little interim release. That we Fair can enough. There's a lot in the, in the boiler and then spring integration after that. And I want a course on Apache Spark Yes. So once I've got through year. once I've got through web development, then that'll probably be next on my agenda, I guess. So good, lovely. Uh, it's interesting because we get more and more people asking for different things, and it's uh, impossible. It's impossible for us to do everything. We can't keep so, everybody happy. Yeah. And the alternative would be let's let's hire fifty trainers and get them all working on course at the same time. But a we can't afford it, and b the quality would go down. So we've got to. Yeah, we, we've you know we've, it's funny we've tried to get other trainers involved before and we've really struggled. It's been a challenge, and the Git course is the only one we've managed to do, brilliant. which somebody else wrote for us. We recorded it. Matt Strawbridge, um, brilliant job. Yeah, if he's listening and wants to write another course for us, please I know get you're in touch. listening, Matt. <laughs> but we've never managed to work with another another uh, trainer. It's a very can, difficult medium. Yeah, it's a, you know you can't. It's not like writing a book where you can do copying and pasting and you can do editing and you, you can mm. do multiple drafts. Recording a video is so time intensive. I reckon it's probably about three hours of work for one hour of video, at least. At least. I've massively least, underestimated, yeah. actually. And you can't easily make changes. You've made one little mistake at the beginning of that video, the whole video's trashed and you're back to square one. Indeed, indeed. So, you know, round tripping with a with a trainer in in the United States, say, I don't see it as a viable. No, the the other thing I guess as well is, I mean, I'm talking recently to one of our larger customers about this, is that you know what we are offering here is a a package where there is almost no repetition in that library, but also there's this logical progression because yeah. because us as trainers, we as trainers know the entire library of training. We know that we can refer you to a particular yeah. chapter in a particular course if you want to know more about a particular topic. Mm -hmm. And there's no therefore obvious gaps. Whereas um, as soon as you start increasing the number of trainers beyond say three or four, mm -hmm. that becomes quite difficult because you've then we then become full time editors effectively, yeah, don't we? Which yeah. you know lessens our Productivity, so it's a challenge. It would be nice to get a third one on, but we'll see. Even we'll with see the two we... of us, we have a problem of fragmentation. So, you know, 
AWS, Amazon Web Services, is hot. People are demanding it from us, but there's going to be a large proportion of our, uh, our viewers who are not working on AWS and are not interested. And suddenly we have a long list of releases on AWS and we're, we're leaving them in the cold. So keeping everybody happy is a incredibly difficult thing to do. Yes. So it's just and about I, having a round library, I think. That, absolutely. Well, that applies to everything. I mean, frameworks as well. If you're not a Spring person or if you're not a uh, Java E person and we do a Java E release, then you're, it, the, there's always going to be releases not relevant to you. Yes. But yeah. that said, of course, if you're trying to be that fully rounded programmer who has an appreciation of everything, yeah. well, it's the kind of thing you might well look at in your spare time Definitely. and just skim through. Certainly, I know a lot of our customers look at the Android coasters in, in that way. They're not planning to do any Android, but yeah. they want to have that overview. Um, and, and that provides a service, therefore. So sure. anyway, good stuff. So, Wonderful. So Java 9 is here. Use it at your own risk. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Absolutely. Cheery bye. Cheery bye. <laughs> Cheery bye. <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> oh, well.